0: Hey, open your Bibles, Book of Romans, uh, we're, we're, yes, we're still there, but we're in a little different part of it right now. We're in a kind of a mini-series in a series called The Power for Living. We're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, and as you're finding Romans chapter 8, let me just throw out a, a little bit more good news. I know that we are we're in the process of, of getting ready for our building program to take off, but let me tell you really quick uh, to pray for three of the churches I, I help and, and a couple of my oversee here in the city uh, we're seeing our church plants grow up and it's pretty exciting today greater life church had their first in fact They start in about an hour will be their first service in their building first time. They're not mobile uh, down in men hill Which is exciting. Uh, we are also working with vision church, which is downtown It's a cool bunch of Millennials that love Jesus and uh, they're buying an old Presbyterian Church over on West Boulevard. We're gonna be renovating that and uh, reaching that south end And then the church that started out of us back in 2009, David Dukasen and Center City Church, keep them in prayer. Last week, David actually resigned this church as a pastor. He built it to this point, and and God told him he's done. We already have a new pastor we're voting on next week to be coming in. But can you imagine? That's a little bit of change, right? And uh, it'd be very, very proper for us just to keep them in prayer because, you know what? God's building his kingdom. He said he will build the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I believe that. And I believe that for us, but I, I am for every church in the city that preaches Jesus Christ. Amen? We are, we are not competitors. We are co laborers. And you know what? God gets all the glory. And that, that's our biggest concern. So just keep them in prayer if you would this week. I'll give you some updates next week. Well, Romans chapter 8. I, I don't know about you, but this, this whole series in the book of Romans has been life changing for me. And, and you say, well, Mike, how do you get life changed? You've been preaching this a long time. Can I tell you, the word of God never gets old. It is living, it is active, it has the ability to shape and change our lives. And when it stops changing our lives, can I tell you something? Something's wrong in our spirit. Something's wrong in our walk with God when the Word of God stops shaping us. And the more I dig into this, the more I see God's grace working, the more I just want to to tell you more about it because He is the answer to everything we need. And today, we are talking about a very specific part of what God does in us, and that is the power He puts in us by the Holy Spirit to live as overcomers, overcoming sin in our lives. So I want you to open your heart to that and and be ready for God to speak to you. Because we look at Romans chapter 8, and we have to read Romans 8.1. Probably one of the most famous, but also most beautiful verses in Scripture. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I I want to point out something very quickly as we enter in this morning. And if you're on version, you can follow our notes. But very quickly, I want you to see this. That word no in this verse does not mean less. And yet there are a lot of believers that live as if God has like sort of taken it easy on them, or God has sort of helped them, but yet he says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And yet so many struggle because of guilt they feel over the, over the obvious nature of sin still challenging them. And this morning, I want to share with you out of God's word, how the Holy Spirit works in us, that, that we are overcomers and we're not bound anymore by sin, but we can literally destroy it in the name of Jesus, according to God's word. You see, our focus up till now has been on what God did to provide salvation for us. And wow, what, a, what an amazing story of God's grace from beginning to end. He gave us faith he he brought us to that point where we could open our lives to him. He he justified us He he put his righteousness on our account and he leads us now into this marvelous gift where he put the Holy Spirit In each of our lives in fact last week We began by talking about what the Holy Spirit does and there are some really cool things The first thing is that he he changes the way we think You know believers should think differently. Do you agree with that this morning? I mean, we, we should not be like the world. We're just all bound up in all the issues of the world. We're just angry all the time and all that. If the Holy Spirit's working in you, he changes how we see things. He changes how we think, how we process life. And it leads to an amazing change because when doing so, he produces life in us and peace. And I've never met anyone that doesn't need a little more peace in their lives. He produces peace in us, but he also produces peace through us. Everywhere we go, we ought to be the... The the salesman of peace we ought to be the evangelist of peace. We ought to walk in the door and the atmosphere changes Why because we're carrying within us the holy spirit of our god because we are the temples of the holy spirit He dwells in us. We shared last week that that he does he dwells in us So we are we are never alone and somebody needs to hear that this morning I don't know why we were singing that song about about jesus a while ago And I just felt that, that somebody needs to hear that you're never alone God is with you When you're you're fighting fear and anxiety and worry and all that, remember, it is not you that's fighting it. It's the Holy Spirit within you who is greater than you are in the flesh, and he will overcome. He is with us. And then we finally, last week, talked about how that he will resurrect us. That the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Can I tell you something? When you stand and facing life, And you think something is too great too difficult too overwhelming Can I tell you there is nothing that can stand in the way of a god who can raise his own son from the grave And and he has that same power now dwelling in you So when you start worrying like I don't know this might be too big I don't know if god is really with me, then you have a small god And I don't serve a small god We serve an amazing god Who is able and today he's able to do something that we need to hear He's able to do something that we need to take a hold of. In fact, I believe today, if you take hold of this teaching, you begin to work it in your lives, your life's going to be different because the fifth thing the Holy Spirit does, and we're going to focus just on this today, is He empowers us and He brings about a victory over sin. We are not bound by sin. We are not slaves to sin any longer. We have been set free in the name of Jesus, but we need to learn to walk in that. And Romans 8, verse 12 through 13 tells us how we're going to do that. And it starts out with a word in scripture we always have to be cognizant of, and that when he says, therefore. Therefore, brothers and sisters. I remember back in the early days of learning how to read and study the Bible, they say, if you ever see the word therefore, ask what is it therefore. So we'll do that. And that is this, therefore, so looking back, he says, look, look back. Therefore, we've been redeemed by Christ's righteousness. And someday we will be totally delivered from all evil, from all shame, from all guilt, from all effects of sin, from all pain in the body of resurrection. He says, therefore, knowing that, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. We, we owe something. We are debtors. But, oh, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. No, no. It, we, we have no debt to the flesh, to that worldly mindset, to that, to that understanding that this is all there is and we just gotta go for it. We we have no debt to that. He said, but of course if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will what? You will live. Father, help us to get this this morning, God. Help us to take hold of it, God. Let your spirit just make it fresh and new in each of us today. And God, we celebrate today, God, what you're doing in the body of Christ. And we're thankful, Lord, of what's taking place around our city. But God, today, God, we want to give you thanks and praise for what you're doing in us, God. So Lord, have your way. Holy Spirit, reign in us. God, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to respond. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, many scholars say that these two verses are probably the most important verses in the Bible when it comes to the understanding of this marvelous word called sanctification. I know last week we spent a lot of time talking about justification, but today I want to focus on sanctification and what that that means in our lives as believers. In fact, let's just start with a definition because sanctification is the continuing change worked by God in us. What's the sign of a believer? We talked about this last week. A sign of a believer is not someone that can quote scripture and shows up at church and, and sing the songs. A sign of a believer is change. We, were, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. God did not fall in love with a better version of you. He, he came to make you new. And when he made you new, all things change. So a, a, a sign of a believer is a changed life. He said, so he's continuing change, work by God in us, freeing us from sinful habits. I just can't help it, Pastor. It's just, you know, that has been the way of my whole life. I just, it's in my family. Wait, 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 wait. Did, did it say he frees us from sinful habits? So, so, so we're not literally bound in this, in this way? It's just going to always be that way till Jesus returns? Yes, according to God's word, we're going to see it today. He frees us from sinful habits and forms in us Christ-like affections, dispositions, and virtues. We talk about becoming more like Christ. What does that even mean? You know, we, we use that word a lot. Are we going to be Christ-like? Are we going to start wearing our hair long and walking in a robe? I mean, no, it's, it means our, our outlook, our attitudes, our ver- things that we focus on, things that we bring to the table, things that we love, things that we hate, all come because Christ dwells in us. Go on. Not only does it do that, but it, it doesn't instantly eradicate sin, and we're going to talk about that. Nor does it merely restrain or repress sin, but sanctification produces real transformation. You know, there's a lot of misunderstanding in, in, in the body of Christ when it comes to, to sin or sinful habits. We we have this mindset, and it's, it's it's okay. We are people that believe in the miraculous, but so often we believe that, that God is just gonna zap us, and it's like we wake up one day and like, wow, I can't sin. That would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? But yet, sanctification, the work of the Holy Spirit. It is not that God zaps us and we sin no more. Neither is it God just helping us repress sin. Just keep it under the surface, keep it under control, keep it under wraps. We know it's still there. No, no, it's it's, it's understanding that the aim of the Holy Spirit is not to wean us off of sin or to keep sin under control. It is literally to destroy sin in our lives and no longer let it have any power or influence in us. I've heard it said this way, sanctification, the work of the Holy Spirit, does not make us sinless. But it does make us sin less. And that's a good thing. Because sin is destructive. Sin is destroying. Sin is, sin is insidious. You see, we become more and more like Jesus when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. But we have to understand it back in Romans 8, 12 through 13, is that, that we have a different mindset. We have a, we have a different understanding of why. We, we have no obligation to the flesh. But man, do we have a gratitude toward our God. Do We have an understanding that he is good to us. Do we have an understanding? He's done everything for us and out of that he leads us to a place that says look if you keep living by the flesh If you keep that worldly mindset being the control of your life, it's going to lead to death spiritual death in many many ways, but When we turn our lives to him and if by the holy spirit we put to death the misdeeds of the body Then we experience the life you really want then you experience the life you really hope for. But that key phrase is simply this. Apart from the Spirit working in us, there is not victory. Apart from the Holy Spirit, there is just not victory. You see, a lot of us have this mindset when we come into Christ that is simply this. He saves us. Now everything else is up to us. And we've got to make ourselves better. We've got to transform ourselves. But can I tell you this morning, flesh cannot transform flesh. It just can't do it. Counseling can only take you so far you need a transforming work of the Holy Spirit changing your life We can reform the flesh. We just can't transform the flesh We can make it nicer We just can't make it holy But the Holy Spirit is able to come and do that which we can't because he changes us in from the inside out you see All of us at some level have an egocentric nature And and we apply that to to most of the things in our life and we even apply to the spiritual things We talk about how I received Christ and how I found God and how I had faith and how I, it's I, I, I. And here's the problem with egocentric faith and salvation. If you're the one that saved you, then you're the one that's got to transform you. And I don't know about you, but we're up a creek if it's up to us. Because in our flesh nature, in that that sin nature that that Christ died for, we died to sin, but sin didn't die to us. And what happens when we kind of take it over, we get caught up in that rules-based righteousness that's fruitless. And let's just be honest, it's miserable. Because every day i got to be better. And every day when I realize I'm not better, every day when I stumble, I feel like I'm starting all over again. And that's exactly what Paul warned us back in Romans chapter 6 about. That at any point in our salvation, at any point of growth, if we turn back to the law, if we turn back to this works-based righteousness, then what we're doing is we're giving sin a base of operation in our lives. We're, we're, just, we're going right back into that point where sin used to control us, where sin used to dominate us, where sin used to take us places we didn't want to go. And Paul said in Romans 6, that's not what the life of the believer ought to be. In fact, look at Romans six twenty-two. This is where we should be. But now that you've been set free from sin, have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. Let's just break that down. We have been set free from sin. The moment you were saved, the moment your faith connected to the faith God has in us, can I tell you, right then the power of sin is broken over you. It's not in stages. It's not gradual. It's not eventually. No, the power of sin is broken right there. The old, the old man died. We were crucified with Christ. We no longer live. But the life we now live is we live in the flesh by the by the Son of God who, who lives in us by the Holy Spirit. So we've been set free from sin. We become slaves. And again, Paul had to even... Back up and kind of explain that term. And in our culture, it's even hard to work through that verse. But, but in that in that mindset, Paul was saying we are bond servants. We freely chose to serve God. We freely chose to come under His Lordship. And now our lives are lived in a way this is God. We we just want to serve you. God, we just want to bless you. God, we want to care. we want to be your hands and feet on earth, God. It's a motivation that changes, and when, when that happens, there's a benefit. We we, we have holiness. There's something that sets us apart God working in us and it leads to eternal life But the key to all of that is the power of the holy spirit in our lives Now I know when we talk about the holy spirit for a lot of you when we think about the power of the holy spirit We're just thinking signs and wonders You know, we're looking for miracles and prophecies and and all those kind of things and you know what they are wonderful But but yet the holy spirit working in us is the power for life that 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 understanding that when we came to christ We have a part, yes. We believe, but our part of salvation, our part of transformation compared to God's part is minuscule. It's hardly even noticeable because it's in him and through him and to him receives all the glory, amen? It's not us doing great things. It's God doing work in us. But whenever we take over, and we ever, whenever we buy into it, and, and I, I struggle with this, this is kind of, I'm not saying it was taught, but this is what Mike's brain received when I came to Christ. And that was, hey, you've been saved by God, now go live like it. Oh man, that is death dealing right there. Because what happens, we get into a battle where there's no victory and a war where there's no peace, it never ends. Because you're never in yourself able to make yourself good enough. So Romans eight twelve says, there's no obligation to that flesh. There's no obligation to try to make that work in your own strength. He says, the only obligation we have is to serve God who puts his spirit in us, who will put to death the misdeeds of the body so that we may live. Now, I, I like that understanding when he says, put to death the misdeeds of the body. What are the misdeeds of the body? It's at any point that this being is used to, to pursue sin. It's, it's any point where this being, mind, body, soul, spirit, is, is doing things that are opposite of God's will. It's any point when we are thinking less of others than we ought to. It's we can go on and on trying to define sin, but he's saying we got to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Can I tell you, the Christian shouldn't play with sin? We shouldn't play with sin. How how close to the edge can I live, Pastor? Can I, can I be saved and still do that? Can I be saved and still think that? Can I still be saved and, and, and not love my neighbor? And we, we, we are always looking for these boundaries instead of a boundless God who says, look, you have died to sin, no longer live in it, but if you start playing with it, you're going to lose. Because in your own power, you can't overcome. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we do something. We engage in war with sin. I'll, I want you to hear this this morning. I hope you get this today. God wants us to see sin the way He does, and God hates sin. He hates sin because of what it does to us. He hates sin because of what it did to His creation, and we've got to engage in war with sin to get as far away from it as possible. Not just to avoid things that we know are sinful. Well, I don't drink, and I don't chew, and I don't go with girls that do, or that kind of garbage. It's not just—it's not just that we get avoid it. We avoid those things that lead to sin. Because we guard our hearts so carefully because we want the Holy Spirit to be evident in us. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we put to death the misdeeds of the body? How do we wage this war? I want to share with you six spirit-empowered weapons that, that God gives us to defeat sin. And you say, six? Do I need that many? You probably need more, but really they're all based in one thing, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you're familiar with this scripture. Back in 2 Corinthians 10, it says that the, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to do what? Someone talk to me. Do you like that word demolish? I don't know about you, but that just sounds like fun, doesn't it? It's like a kid with a bunch of Legos. Let's just destroy it, you know? Demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. It's It's that battle of the mind, you know, where where the world and the flesh is always saying, Oh, don't listen to God. Just do your own thing. You're better than most people. Just keep doing what you're doing. Now, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And, 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 we take captive, come on, people, every thought. We take captive every thought. Well, my mind just runs. My mind goes to places it shouldn't go. We take captive every thought. I can't help what I think. We'll talk about that in a moment. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. What I want you to see this morning is the things I'm going to share with you. They're not just godly principles. They're not just, oh, that's nice. I'll get around to those. No, these have divine power in them. They are divinely empowered truths for the destruction of strongholds. What's a stronghold? It's any point in your life where sin is reigning and it should not is any point in your life where you've allowed bondage to come back in? Oh, you've been freed from sin, but as a believer, we can allow bondage to come back into us and we start doubting God. We start following the ways of the world and not living according to the Spirit. He says, so there is power to destroy these strongholds. And it begins with this. and always begins with this. Number one, the Holy Spirit in us helps us recognize the presence of sin in our flesh. Now, remember last week, I told you flesh is not this, Okay. Flesh is not the skin and bones. It's not that which is getting older. It, flesh is a mindset. Flesh is an, is an understanding that it's all about me. It's for me. It's to me. It's through me. It's mine, 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 mine. And that is the, the, the fleshly nature we deal with. So, so the Holy Spirit reminds us or helps us recognize where, where sin reigns in that. In fact, in Romans 8, 13, again, he said, For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So how does that happen? How does that happen? The Spirit's empowering us, but how do, we, how do we cooperate? You say, well, Mike, can't God just take it away? Yeah, yeah he can. I, I've seen him do that. I've seen, I've seen people bound in addiction. I mean, the addiction's gone, but can I tell you, it's not always, and it's not all the time, and, and, and there are some times where we, we want God, yes. <laughs> it's like healing. Do I want God instantly to heal you? Absolutely. Do I see him progressively do that in people's lives? Absolutely. And at the end of the day, I have to say, God, I'm not you. Your will be done, not mine. I would love him to zap sin, and we're just sinless and perfect. Well, if that was the case, take us to heaven now, but it's not. And so, yes, God is able to do that, but more often, he empowers us to learn to do battle through the power of the Holy Spirit. He empowers us to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus He empowers us to live in such a way that that lives in victory over sin And I believe a lot of the reason is this is because we are his witnesses on this earth And people need to see that god can work in us and god can work through us Yes, he's a miraculous god And it's just as a miracle for you to stand in the face of sin and say no i'm not going down that path As it is for god to zap you in a moment and you have no longer even a temptation you see Colossians 3, and we're going to go back and forth kind of between Romans and Colossians. Paul was kind of carrying out that thought to two churches. He said in Colossians 3, verse 5, he said, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And then he goes on this long list. And Remember, when there's lists in the Bible, they're not exhaustive. They're not for you meant for you to tick them off and go, I'm good, don't have any of those. No, he's kind of giving you the picture of the nature of sin. He said, so whatever belongs to your earthly nature, which is sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Remember Romans chapter 2. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger. How do you rid yourself of anger? Rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Well, that's just the way I talk. Well, God wants to change that. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. There was a Puritan writer named John Owen. He said, we better be be killing sin or it'll be killing you. (laughs) We better be actively engaged in killing sin or it'll be killing you. And Paul said the same things in Romans. So what I'm saying is, is I'm not going to be using my body for sin i'm going to let the holy spirit point out to me before it even gets there what's happening so i can cooperate with him and put it to death we, we share this in the freedom group you can't you can't hit what you don't see and so often there are things we don't even see you know we're just walking it's life we just think it's normal and one day the holy spirit puts his finger on it and says you know that sin and we're like whoa didn't know that he says now it's time to change The Old Testament talks about sins of commission and sins of omission, things that we ought to do that we don't do. And he said, those things are sin, and we we need to recognize it's the Holy Spirit's work to reveal them to us. We don't go around going, oh, God, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? If we do that our whole life, we'll never witness anybody. But we're like David, and we say, Holy Spirit, search us. Holy Spirit, show us. Here's where sin grows. And again, we're trying to get an understanding of how to overcome it. Sin grows in the soil of self-pity and entitlement. Sin grows in the soil of self-pity and entitlement. Well, I'm not getting a fair shake. My my, my needs are not being met, God. God, I have had a hard life. You know I deserve it. Sin grows in the soil of self-pity and entitlement. And Paul says we need to remind ourselves that we're not debtors to sin. We are debtors to the grace of God. So we learn to to pray like like David did in Psalm 139, verse 22 and 23, where he said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Guys, it all starts right there. You can't overcome sin if you can't identify it. You you can't overwhelm it if you can't see it. We we, we have people, I've I've said to myself, well, I know my heart. No, we don't. I know my, listen, we are all about our intentions, aren't we? We judge everybody else by their actions, but we want everybody else to judge us by our intentions. I didn't mean to do that. Jeremiah says the heart's exceedingly wicked. In Jeremiah 17, 9, he says the heart is deceitful above all things. It's beyond cure, who can understand it? But I, the Lord, search the heart. So think about it. Here's the Holy Spirit dwelling in us every day. We come to him and say, we want sin to have no place in our life. So Holy Spirit, show us, teach us, lead us. Because when I see its presence, I can go to battle with it. It leads to the second thing, second weapon, and that is this. And that is we need to learn to refuse to entertain sinful thoughts. Say, where does sin start? starts with the thoughts. James understood this, James the brother of Jesus, a very clear teaching in James chapter 1, verse 14. He said, "Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death." So where do you stop sin at when it's growing? Where do you stop sin at when it's active? No, you, start, you stop sin when it appears as a desire. You stop sin in the battle of the mind. You've got you to gotta stop it when it enters the mind. Can I tell you, it is not sinful to have sinful thoughts. Hear me. It is not sinful to be tempted. It's not. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said you can't keep the birds from swirling around your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair if you have hair. You can't do that. Because so many people are like, oh, I was tempted. I'm such a sinner. We're all tempted. But the overcomer learns to recognize the temptation and says, stop it right there. Nail it right there. Don't give it a place, because you know what happens? You give it a place, the seed takes root, it begins to grow, and it gives birth to something that ultimately leads to death. Can I tell you, if you consider the thought, if you fantasize about it, carrying it out. You consider it, and you just kind of mull on it. Now you're opening the door to sin in your life. Now you're opening the door for it to come and take place in you. Listen, the Holy Spirit is with you in that moment. And here's what happens. Over time, we stop listening to Him. Because early on, early on when you get saved, it's like, man, you can hear Him yelling, no, don't go down that path, no, stay far away. But over time, we start relying on ourselves. He's yelling just as loud. We're just not hearing Him anymore. And you know what we say to him? We can handle it. We got it. Don't worry about it. Let me give you some examples. No, this never happens to you. But you're among a group of people that you love, and boy, they're believers. Maybe it's even a community group, who knows? And and, and the conversation turns to someone who's not there. And everybody starts sharing, oh, they're, you know, we are wonderful, we don't know the story as humans, we, we create the story. So, uh, we start telling what we think is happening in their lives, and, and you're sitting there and, and, and you know what's happening. It's turned from concern to gossip, and you've got a little morsel that's inside of you that you just know, man, if I share this, they knows really know something because I know something they don't know. And, and what happens is everything in our flesh says, share it, share it because it makes us one of the crowd, it makes us feel better and all that. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit's saying, don't. Because the moment you do, you're a gossip. And you know that gossip is just as big a sin as murder, sexual immorality, anger. It's it's just as big a sin. There's no little sins and big sins. And so what we have to do is we're we're learning to say, Holy Spirit, reveal this to us, and then help us to nail it at the moment it stops. Why? Because sin starts with the desires. Here's another example. You're on Facebook, which might as well be called a den of iniquity. (laughs) The way it goes these days. Because it's just, I mean, think about it. I mean, as a pastor, there is no worse thing than, than for this to come into our lives. It's egocentric. I mean, it's all about us. We, we, are, we are driven by, by just, oh, we're just so upset that someone's life is better than ours because look what they posted because after all, we're never going to post the bad things in our lives. We're going to present this false image because after all, it's about image and it's about ego, but it's also about temptation. And can I tell you, I've seen it destroy more marriages than I care to sick of it because here's what happens sin's insidious you're going through a rough time in your marriage you should be in our marriage class but you're not and you're going through it and there's struggles you're kind of angry at each other and you're just blowing off steam killing time and and you're on there and all of a sudden someone friends you and oh guess what they're of the opposite sex or they are an old flame from high school or college or your past or whatever and, and part of you is like hmm I shouldn't hit accept in this moment. That's the Holy Spirit part, by the way. But our flesh says, what could it hurt? It's going to be fun to catch up anyway. I bet she looks the same back click. Next thing you know, you're entering into conversation. Next thing you know, you're going through a discussion. Next thing you know, you're reliving these things in your mind. Next thing you know, you've allowed sin to place a root in your heart. And it doesn't matter whether you act on it or not. You're going down a land of fantasy. You're going down a land of what if. And can I tell you, sin is going to lead to death in that moment. And the Holy Spirit is screaming at the top of his lungs inside of you, stop. But you won't stop. If you don't identify sin and you won't stop if you don't hate sin, you see if you don't stop there When the desire comes you're playing with fire and you have very little chance to defeat it because fantasy is a powerful powerful force God's given us the equipment. God's given us the power to defeat it You see temptations come but we got to recognize the temptation that leads to sin and death and we've got to go beyond resisting it We've got to go beyond asking God to remove it. We've got to get a place where we ask God to make us and help us to hate it. Hate it. Why, Why do you hate sin? Because hate, sin, sin. Sin is what drove Adam and Eve out of paradise. And we're suffering the consequences now. Sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross for us and all the beating and all the things that came upon him. Sin nailed him there. Why? Because the sin had to be paid for and we need to develop a holy hatred of sin in us. And call it what it is, guys. Anger is sin. Sensuality is sin. Gossip is sin. I'm not going to go down the list today because then you're going to check it off and say, I'm good. Whatever your sin is, you've got to learn to hate it. Because if not, it dominates. See, I, I pray this, God, give us the strength to call sin, sin. It's not just wrong, it's evil. It's not just wrong, it's vile. It's not just wrong, it leads to death. Can I tell you, sin has a legacy in it. Sin has a ripple effect in it. Whenever we give in the desires and we go and we're just going to please the flesh and do what we do, can I tell you, it hurts others besides yourself. It always does. It always will. And here's the sad part, you can't control it once it's out of the back. You see, we, we get caught, much of our lives, we are caught in the backwash of other people's sins. I mean, think about a lot of things we go through in this life. We didn't do anything to deserve it, we didn't, we didn't ask for it, we didn't cause it, but because of other people's sins, we're affected by it. I don't know about you, but I get angry about that, in a holy anger. That <laughs> takes it back to God and says, God, we got to do something here. And the answer is go win more people to jesus not just get angry Because that's the only answer to our our needs is that for more people to come to know christ I love what martin lloyd jones said he he was a pastor in the early early 50s 60s all the way up into the 70s, but I I want you to read this It's just so powerful. He says if you merely repress A temptation in other words, just tamp it down or this first motion of sin within you It will probably come up again still more strongly to the extent that I agree with the modern psychology, repression's always bad. Well, what do you do, ask someone? I answer, when you feel that first motion of sin, you pull yourself up and say, of course, I'm not having any dealings with this at all. Expose the thing and say, this is evil. This is vileness. This is the thing that drove Adam out of paradise. Pull it out, look at it, denounce it, hate it for what it is. Then you've really dealt with it. You must not merely push it back in a spirit of fear and in a cowardly manner. Bring it out, expose it, analyze it, and then denounce it for what it is until you hate it. I think much of what's missing in the church and our culture today is a hatred of sin. We're too casual about it. We're We're just doing what we need to do. It's expedient. Hate it. Because until we hate it, until we denounce it, we will never overcome it. Romans 13, 14 said, don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. One, one more thing. and I, Look, some of you today, you think, you know, nobody knows, so it's, it's really not that bad. Remember again who's living in you. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as a private sin if you're a believer. He's right there going, come on. Come on. There's more power in you to not do that than to do that. Come on. We also have some that think that, well, you know, if I'm just thinking about it, not acting on it, I'm okay, but can I tell you, the longer you think about it, that desire is taking root, and ultimately, you're going to lose that game. So we've got to come to that place where we call it what it is. I'll give you some relief. I've had you on the map for a moment here. Number three, what do you do when you fall? You repent. Listen, when it comes to sin, none of us are batting a 1,000. We're, we're going to sin. There, there are times we're going to come short. There's times we're going to blow it on this earth because we are not yet perfected. But can I tell you, God forgave all your sin, but we need to repent to him because what we're doing in repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry. We're acknowledging our relationship to God. We're acknowledging our debt to God, that we, are, we owe God. So, so we're saying, God, only you can cleanse my conscience. Only you can, can set me free. And if we don't do that, here's what happens. There's a gulf. Just, a rift that just kind of forms a gulf between us and God. Because only God can relieve the guilt of our sin. So, so hear, me, hear me clearly when I say this. And, and here's the scripture for this, Psalm 32. It says, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, God, I will, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. This is going to sound paradoxical. But when we sin, don't be so quick to forgive yourself. Repentance is not, oh God, sorry, I blew it, move on. But at the same time, don't wallow in your sin long either. Because if not, we can get to this guilt pattern where now we don't see the work of God in us. And I don't know how to tell you how to live in that tension, but can I tell you, when we repent, repentance means I go the other direction. So I'm going this way in the flesh, I'm going that way. But it also means I'm saying to God, God, I need this pattern broken. God, I need to learn to hate that. And God, I need to acknowledge only you can do that in me. And God, I need that guilt resolved, God, but I, I need that now, Father, in my life. Can I tell you, godly sorrow leads to repentance. So don't, don't forgive yourself so fast, but don't stay in it too long either. And I, I trust God to work that in you because that's a danger that, that happens in us. So when we blow it, we need to repent. Here's the fourth thing, Dave. We're gonna, we're gonna, these are going to go a little quicker for you, all right? And that is, if we're going to overcome sin, then we need to remember to set our hearts on God. We need to set our trajectory on God. What, what drives your life? What is your, what is your thought when you're alone and you don't have a, a device to, to take up your thoughts? Where, where, where are we going in our lives? Are we going after the things of the Spirit or just after us? That, that's what I'm talking about here. Colossians 3 says this. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. I grew up hearing this saying in church all the time if any of you I got real spiritual They're like, oh, they're so heavenly minded. They're no earthly good I have never met that person I've met a lot of people that are so earthly minded. They're no heavenly good all the time But I've never met that person their mind is fixed on the things of god They're not making a difference here on this earth. Come on church That's that's when that's when the rubber meets the road where our affections are on heaven. Our affections are on god Our love is for him and all of a sudden remember we talked about sanctification changing our desires our nature All of a sudden we start loving people And we start seeing people as people to be loved not to be scorned We see people need to be reached not 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 dismissed we stop getting angry at people around us and start loving them through the love of Jesus Christ. So we've got to be careful with what we fill our lives with. In fact, I, I believe this. We need to create an environment that helps us be mindful of God all day long. Paul said this in the church of Galatia. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Let the Spirit guide you. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if my mind's on the Spirit, I have a whole lot less likelihood, like, less likelihood to live in sin, because the Holy Spirit's guiding me, and I'm not giving in the desires of the flesh, because I'm waking up in the morning, and I'm, I'm asking those two questions I shared with you last week. Holy Spirit, show me, show me what, where, where I'm working without you. <laughs> show me where I'm ignoring you, but also show me where you're working, and I've not engaged yet. Show me what you're doing around me that you want me to engage in. That's walking by the Spirit. Y'all getting this this morning? Y'all right? Because I'm going to leave you the last two here. And here's my fear with these last two. It's like the Sunday school answer everybody knows. You know, when you're a little kid, they ask questions, you say, Jesus, you're right half the time, right? But just because, just because they are, we know that, don't dismiss them as any less powerful than anything else we share today. Because if you want to live in victory over sin, we, we have to let the Holy Spirit reveal its presence in our flesh, Right? We can't we can't we can't do that we we have to let him do that We have to learn to repent we have to learn to walk by the spirit But can I tell you these last two things are equally important that is number five If we want to live a life overcoming sin read your bible Read it You say I don't know how to read it you know how to read We give you helps all the time you can't read listen to it faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god read the Bible. The Bible, the word of God. David the psalmist said in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Can I tell you one of the greatest preventive sanctifying measures you can put in your life is simply to read the word of God daily. Get it in you. Take time in it. The Word of God has a sanctifying effect. The Word of God brings freshness in our lives. The Word of God changes from the inside out. Remember, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. You want to know what's happening in your life? Read the Bible. Because the Bible is a mirror that shows you clearly and then shows the grace of God right next to you. I encourage you guys. We talk about it. But if we are anything like the rest of the Christians in our nation... We're doing a lot of lip service in this area and we're not really actually doing it God forbid There's something about the word of god if you don't have one we'll get you one There's something about spending time in it They say well pastor. I I don't remember what I I read yesterday. I just you know It didn't really speak to me. I didn't really get anything. Can I ask you do you remember what you ate yesterday? Probably not but it fed you and You're alive today because you put it in you In the same way, there's times the Word of God, it can be like, "Ah, I know this. Can I tell you if your heart's open? It's like I said about Romans. Romans was the first book in the Bible I memorized as a teenager. This is probably the book I'm most familiar with. But going through this study again, it's like I've never seen it before in my life because the Holy Spirit's just speaking through it. So read the Word. Let it get in you. And finally this morning, we're going to close doing this we're going to overcome sin, we've got to regularly talk to God. We've got to learn to pray. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus said to his disciples, Watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is what? It's <laughs> weak. We all have the want to. we just got to learn to do it. We just got to learn to find that way to to spend time in prayer together, to spend time alone in prayer, to make prayer our focus. But remember, prayer is not taking a moment and bowing your head like a little child and having this moment with God. Prayer is your breathing in and breathing out all day long. I am in the presence of my Father. And everything that's happening around me is important. And everything I'm facing is real. And God, today, as I'm walking to the door to this business meeting, God, go before me, prepare a path, Father. God, as I'm coming into this session where I'm talking to family, God, give me the words to say and the wisdom to shut up when you don't want me to say anything. When I'm coming into church saying, God, let me come in today and hear you. Let me come in today and bless somebody. See, prayer is not a session. Prayer is a life. And that's why he says we need to learn to pray Without ceasing. There's this mindfulness. Romans eight thirteen But if by the Spirit you put to death the de- misdeeds of the body, you will live. You'll live understanding a peace that passes understanding when you put to death the misdeeds of the body. You'll you'll live with a, a hope that doesn't disappoint. Because now I'm not out here all tangled up in sin trying to figure out how to get by. Now I'm living by the Spirit. Now I'm making a difference by the Spirit. We will live with life everlasting that's full of joy. Can I tell you, it's not joy when you're battling sin. But it's joy to understand you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And no weapon formed against you will prosper because God has already made a way. You will live when you learn to live in satisfaction. And you put down that ego that says, I am entitled to more than this. It's the curse of America. No, I I, I lost entitlement when Jesus died on the cross for me. He made it abundantly clear to me early in my faith, he owes me nothing. But I have a debt to him. And he gives me more than I deserve. There's a contentment. There's an abundance. There's a fruitfulness. There's a growth. There's a life where God begins to do more than we can ask or imagine to the praise of His glory. Why? Because we have submitted our lives to the Spirit and let Him work in us, not only to transform us, but to give us the power to overcome the sin that seeks to gain dominance when the Word says we've been crucified with Christ. We have died to sin. No longer should it reign.